ഹം ശ്രീ ഗുരോ ശ്രീതാത്പരകമലം ശ്രീ ഗുരൂൻ വൈഷ്ണവംശ ശ്രീരൂപം സാഗ്രജാത്താം സഹാഗനരഘുനാഥാമൃതം തം സജീവം സാദ്വൈതം സവദൂതം പരിജനസഹിതം കൃഷ്ണ ചൈതന്യദേവം ശ്രീരാധകൃഷ്ണപാദം സഹാഗനലിതാ ശ്രീവിശാഖാമൃതംശ്ചാനാതിമരന്തസ ജ്ഞാനങ്ങനാശലാഖയ ചക്ഷൂരുന്മീലിതാമ്യേനസ്മൈശ്രീഗുരവേനമഹാ ഋഷഭാനുസുതേവി പ്രണമാമി ഹരിപ്രിയേ ഹൃയോ ശ്രീകൃഷ്ണ ചൈതന്യ പ്രഭു നിത്യാനന്ദ ശ്രീ അദ്വൈതഗരധാര ശ്രീവാസതി ശ്രീ ഗൗരഭക്തവൃന്ദ ഹരേ കൃഷ്ണ ഹരേ കൃഷ്ണ 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 ഹരേ 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 രാമ ഹരേ രാമോ രാമ രാമോ ഹരേ ഹരേ ഹരേർനാമ 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 ഇവ കേവലം കലോ നാസ്ത്യേവ 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 ഗതിരന്യഥ Welcome everyone again. Welcome Maharaha, Rasana. Nice to see you again. Gopal Nandini. Uh, the others of you I already said Haridol too. Welcome everybody. Today we've reached the 8th verse of Shri Raghunath Das Goswami's Manashiksha. And from this verse I'm going to at least for the next few times be speaking only on one verse. per class so there will be a little bit more time to go deep and that's good because in these verses that is exactly what ragunath das is doing in the previous four verses he has been guiding us through different types of obstacles starting with uh, uh gross material obstacles such as anger lust and so on and then gradually kind of digging down into uh, his own self him being the the example here and he speaking to his mind and now in these final verses uh, we're getting close to the goal close to where he wants to take us with all these verses this also means haribol karanam this also means that uh, we're getting into to secret ground not only sacred but also secret ground uh, in these last verses raghunath das is entering uh, onto the esoteric uh, land of krishna bhakti he's going to tell us some uh, uh, not exactly secrets but he's going to speak about things that are generally not disclosed to anybody and everybody and the way in which la prabhupada presented krishna consciousness uh, was very much based on the idea of krishna the supreme personality of godhead this is a, a phrase that we encounter again and again in prabhupada's writings uh, 
it's almost like when the Muslims speak about uh, the prophet, they never say just Muhammad. It always has to be peace upon him or, or uh, however it is said. Uh, Prabhupada hardly ever writes Krishna. It's always Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. To emphasize that Krishna is not just some uh, Indian god, but he's actually the god of all gods. And not only that, he's also representing the most, uh, the ultimate uh, person of God. So in the Manashiksha, now that we're coming towards the, the latter verses, uh, Raghunath Das is going to say much more than this. There's nothing wrong with what I just said, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, and that's very good and excellent, but there's much more that can be said. Uh, but it can't be said to everybody. The Acharyas uh, very much stress this principle of adhikara, or the principle of eligibility. Everybody is eligible for bhakti, there's no exception there. Everybody is eligible for bhakti. Even animals and plants, some teachers say. But not everybody is eligible for the same kind of bhakti. Within the path of bhakti, there are different levels as well. And uh, why is not everybody eligible for, for the same thing? Because they want to keep the power to a particular caste or a particular group to shut out the newcomers and uh, the people they don't like? No, it's not that. It's because uh, not everybody is able to, to understand everything. And all the, the information that is there in uh, the books, in the texts, in the, in the songs of the Mahajans, uh, some of it is not only hard for us to understand, some of it is also such that it make, make make us misunderstand. Uh, for example, in describing uh, Radha and Krishna's mutual love. When we read about it, it may sound like the love of any two teenagers. And that may awaken the wrong kinds of reactions in us. Jiva Goswami is very graphic in his description of this, writing to, to other men as authors in a pre-modern era generally did. He's saying, if these descriptions awaken male transformations in your body, don't read them. So uh, if the descriptions uh, awaken worldly emotions in us, then we should put them away. Not throw, throw the book away, but put it in the shelf and think, I'll return to that later. Because it really does work like that. Some things that I have experience of that uh, from my own life, and I'm sure many of you have, some things that we can't grasp, that we can't understand in the beginning, uh, after some time, we'll be able to return to them and perhaps understand a little bit more. So some acharyas have been very strict with this.
for example, Shlashvilar Maharaj, uh, he didn't let his disciples study the more esoteric texts of the Goswamis. Uh, Prabhupada, to a degree, was also like this. Uh, and this is very good. It's better for us to gradually enter into this, this uh, hallowed ground. It's better to begin with uh, the basic things and build up an understanding of that and then gradually add on. When I was in, in, uh, in, in ISKCON as a, as a young brahmachari, we were told that we were not allowed to read anything else than Prabhupada's books. And I hated it. I hated it because I've always been a, 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 a voracious reader. I, I love to read and I've always done that. And I've always liked to read many books at the same time. But I was told then that you're not allowed to do that. You read one book at a time. And uh, when you read all of Prabhupada's books, then read them another time. And then when you finish the second round, then you finish the third time. And then after that, you can start reading other books as well. And I hated it, but I did like I was told because I knew that these people are telling me this for some reason. And it was very good advice. And afterwards I realized that this wasn't just something that a temple commander in, in Finland in the early nineties said, this is what Rupa Goswami himself says. Himself says, he says that uh, it's bad for bhakti to read many books uh, superficially. To read many books superficially, just like uh, skimming through, okay, I'll read this one now and then that one. And in one year, I'll finish 50 books and then I'll, I'll finish 100 books the next year and so on. And that's fun, at, le at least if, you're a, if you like reading. But oftentimes on the path of bhakti, it's better to focus on a few books and uh, read a few books many times to really get a good understanding of them. So in these verses now, when we're getting to the more esoteric part, uh, I'm not going to go as deep as some other commentators have. Uh, if you read the commentary of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, for example, he cites many beautiful verses from the Padiyavali from Rupa Goswami's uh, Stavamala uh, and so on. And Anantadas Babaji, he does the same. He, he cites beautiful songs and so on. Uh, if you feel that uh, you have the eligibility for these texts, uh, then go on and read, read there. But here I'm going to keep it a little bit more general, just to make sure that we're all kind of uh, on the same page. So let us turn to the uh, eighth verse after this introduction. Yathadushtatvam me davayati shatasya pakripaya Yathadushtatvamme davayati shathasya pakripaya Yathadushtatvamme davayati shathasya pakripaya 
This verse, as perhaps you noticed, it has three relative clauses beginning with yatha. And then the last line begins with tatha. Uh, so to just to simplify the translation a little bit, we can we can understand the three first lines as meaning when, and the last one as as as, as then. So in the first line he says, yatha When will you take away this dushtatva in me? When will your mercy take away this dushtatva in this shatha? The two technical terms here. Dushtatva is an abstract noun from dushta. Dushta means like a, a naughty person or a uh, a wicked person. So when will you take away this? When will your mercy take away this wickedness in me? In the previous verses, we've heard about many different kinds of of obstacles. As I said, from from uh, gross to subtle such. So here he is summing them all up, up as dushtatva, wickedness, and shatasyapi. Uh, in this cheater, I'm a shata, a cheater. This is what makes me do all this wickedness because I want to, to hide my real self. When will your mercy take away all of this? Again, he comes back to this cheating. He's, speaking, he's been speaking about this in several verses. And it's an important point, of course, otherwise he wouldn't return to it. If we don't come in front of Krishna as we are, Krishna will not recognize us, and we will also not recognize Krishna. We can't cheat Krishna. We can't cheat the Lord and expect not to be cheated ourselves. Uh, in his commentary to this, to, to one of the previous verses, uh, 
Bhaktivigyana Goswami and, and, and Iskon Sanyasi from Russia uh, mentions uh, a story from the Ramayana when uh, when uh, uh, Ram and Lakshman had gone in search of, of Sita into the forest and uh, they came to this area where Sugriva and Hanuman or the Vanaras or the monkeys were, were hiding out uh, hiding out from Sugriva's brother Bali uh, and they wanted to know who is this Rama they've heard that this, this Rama and his brother Lakshman they've come here to the forest so Hanuman went to find out who is this Rama but he, he disguised himself he didn't want to, to show who he actually was, so he disguised himself. And uh, he met Rama, but even though Hanuman, of course, is Rama's bhakta, life after life, in so many different forms, uh, he loves Rama. He couldn't recognize him. He couldn't recognize that this is my Lord, my Rama. So he was surprised there's something I can recognize in this person, but can't fully see who he actually is. And the Rama revealed it to him. You are hiding yourself. You're disguising yourself. You'll never be able to understand me if you keep hiding yourself. So the same applies to us as well. As long as we're cheating, as long as we're pretending something different from what I actually am, will not be able to recognize the Lord. He may take forms that everybody else will recognize. Everybody else will feel the bliss in that kirtan or everybody else will be crying in front of that Sri Murti. But we'll be feeling like, hmm, yeah, I don't know. One reason might be that we are uh, insincere. We're holding something back. We're, we're hiding ourselves. So when will your mercy uh, blow away all of this nonsense? When will you give me the nectar of prema, the nectar of brilliant prema? Prema, of course, means love. It's one word for love in Sanskrit. There are many words for love in Sanskrit. Rati, Kama, uh, and so on. Prema is almost always used for divine love. And by our Gaudiya Vaishnava authors, always uh, for divine love. Krishna Raskavraj Goswami in the Chaitanya Charitamrita uh, defines Prema he says, Atmindriya Pritivancha Tarboli Kama. When we try to please our, our senses, that's called Kama. Krishnindriya Pritivancha Tarboli Prema. When we try to please Krishna's senses, that's Prema. So love for God, that is Prema. And uh, Rupa Goswami, Raghunathasa Goswami's. Uh, contemporary and, and senior uh, teacher in Vrindavan, 
of course, in his Bhagavata Samrita Sindhu, he gives us this, this classical understanding of, of, of prema or, or uh, the perfect love of, of God, of our Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya. That prema take, can take many different forms. And it also uh, develops in a particular way, starting with just a kind of beginner's faith. I don't really know what this thing is. I don't really have any experience. But uh, I have the faith that if I engage in this, then uh, uh, something good will happen. And then associating with uh, the saints, with the sadhus, engaging in bhajana, in worship, getting rid of the anarthas or unwanted habits, and then gradually, gradually deepening our love until it reaches the form of prema, which is pure, completely uh, disinterested uh, love for God. I like very much the example of the, the gopis. If you've heard me give this example before, then please forgive me, but I just like it so much. Krishna plays his flute in the forest of Vrindavan. And all the gopis of Vrindavan, they hear their name in the flute song. They hear their name. Bhadra, Lalita, Vishakha. And they run. They leave whatever they're doing. Nursing their children, cooking, Whatever they're doing, they leave everything and they just run into the forest. A crazy way. It even sounds scary. Rasana. Leaving your, imagine you're having a baby and just leaving the baby and running away. It sounds crazy and scary, but that's how totally in love they are with Krishna. And then they come into the forest and what do they see in the forest? Who do they meet in the forest before meeting Krishna? Saragrahi. Other gopis. Yeah, they meet all the other gopis. Imagine that you're in love with somebody and you're running into the forest to meet that person. And then there's all other, other people there to meet the same person. What a disappointment that would be. And how are the gopis feeling? They're feeling, wow, you're also here. Wow, you also love Krishna. Wonderful. <laughs> what kind of selfless love is that? No like trace of, what are you doing here? This is me and my Krishna. So this is what prema is like. Krishnindriya pritivancha the desire to please Krishna's senses, not my own senses, not my own mind. And this kind of love, of course, can take many different forms. Rupa Goswami delineates five uh, primary forms of love of God. Uh, the, the shanta, or, or uh, uh, quiet or peaceful form of love of the, the rishis. Dasya, the love of a servant, of uh, his master. Uh, Sakya, the love of a, a friend. Uh, Vatsalya, 
love of a parent and then madhurya or or, or ujjvala the love of uh, a lover or the, the amorous love exemplified of course by the gopis uh, out of these types of love four can be found in vrindavan the shanta bhava or the shanta uh, love that's that's not really found in vrindavan but the four others are found and out of these five uh, the madhurya or, or shringara or the ujjvala prema is held to be uh, the supreme by rupa goswami because it contains all the other forms of love within it itself he gives the example of the elements. It's an interesting example in, in Sankhya philosophy. The elements build on each other. First you have uh, space or akasha, then you get, get uh, the other elements one after the other until you get to earth. And earth contains all the qualities of the other elements. In the same way, Rupa Goswami says, Madhurya contains the, the aspects of all the other types of love. And this is the kind of love that Raghunath Das uh, is telling his mind to pray for. Prema Amritam Ujjvala, this kind of, of, of love, Ujjvala Rasa. Rupa Goswami wrote the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which deals with all different types of, of bhakti, all different kinds of, of love. And then he wrote the sequel to it called the Ujjvala Nilamani or the Blazing Blue Sapphire, which then deals with uh, uh, Madhurya exclusively. So this is where Raghunathas is taking us. Ujjvala Rasa. He goes on, he says, uh, Yatha I forgot. Yathashri Gandharva Bhajana Vidaye Prerayatima. Yathashri Gandharva Vidayati Prerayatima. Uh, when will you uh, lead me to the worship of Sri Gandharva? That's the third thing. When will you lead me to the worship of Sri Gandharva? Who is Gandharva? Shamananda. Who is Gandharva? Cupid? No? Good guess, but I don't think that's what Ra Raghunath Das wants us to learn to love Cupid or serve Cupid. Rasana, who is Gandharva? Or Gandharvika? Krishna. Gandharvika Radha. Yes, Gandharva. Yeah. Gandharva or Gandharvika, that means with a long A at the end, that means Radha. So when will you lead me to the worship of Radha? This is something that will happen after all of this shatha, all this cheating has gone away through Krishna's mercy. Uh, after this Ujjvala rasa has arisen in us, then 
uh, when Krishna will I be able to worship Sri Radha, Gandharva or Gandharvika? Uh, Sridhar Maharaj often said that the supreme or supermost aspiration in the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, not all of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, but an important part of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya is service of Sri Radha. Service of Sri Radha. Most Vaishnavas think that the highest thing is worship of Bhagavan, uh, God. But in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we turn this a little bit around. We want to worship the one that God worships. Krishna is devoted to Radha. So as Krishna's bhaktas, we will also be devoted to Radha. We may not even care that much for Krishna. There's, there are some bhaktas who think that Krishna is good, but he's good because Radha loves him. In himself, not so interesting, but interesting because he's the beloved of Radha. So in some ways, uh, you can say that Gaudiya Vaishnavas are shaktas. They are worshippers of the, the feminine aspect of the divinity, of the shakti. Uh, the shaktiman or the, the one with the power, Krishna, for some devotees is less important. But this, of course, is a very high kind of worship where uh, we worship the one that Krishna worships. Raghunath Das uses the word Gandharva uh, perhaps to emphasize that uh, even though Radha may seem like an ordinary village girl, uh, she's the daughter of, of Rishabhanu, the, the chieftain of Varsana. Uh, she's not just any girl, but she's still a village girl. And Krishna is a village boy, a cowherd boy. So uh, we might think that this is just another kind of, of, of love story and she's just an ordinary girl. Uh, this name Gandharvika or Gandharva, it's the same name just for metrical reasons, shortened here a little bit. Uh, this is the, the Upanishadic name of Radha. Who knows in which Upanishad Radha is called Gandharvika? Shamananda. Yes, Gopalatapani. In the Gopalatapani Upanishad, one of the 108 Upanishads, uh, Radha is introduced. But there she's called Gandharvika. Gandharvika means something like the, the little Gandharva or the little uh, 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 heavenly uh, singer, female heavenly singer. So uh, it's kind of a majestic name. Uh, 
Gandharva being a, a kind of obviously a superhuman being. So by this name, uh, the Upan Upanishadic text wants to explicitly show us that this is not just an ordinary girl. Gandharva Bhajana. So worship of this Gandharvika, worship of this Radha, when will that be possible for me? So Raghunath Das, he uh, answers to this, these questions in the, in the last uh, line. Tatha goshte kakva giridaramihatvam bhajamana. When, oh my mind, mana, goshte, here in Vrindavan, in the cowherd land, in the cowherd uh, 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 this uh, bucolic uh, Vrindavan, when here you will worship Giridhari. So in this verse, he's exhorting us to worship Krishna in Vrindavan. Not anywhere, but Krishna in Vrindavan. Again, this is something he's he's been stressing from the beginning, the first very very, the very first verses, that worship Krishna in Vrindavan, not the majestic Krishna of Vaikuntha, not the majestic Krishna or Dvaraka or even Mathura, but Krishna in Vrindavan, this pastoral idyllic land where he seems to forget that he's God, playing as an ordinary boy. And this, of course, is the, the, the secret of Vrindavan, that there Krishna is uh, in his most intimate, most human-like form, completely full of all majesty, but keeping that majesty uh, hidden, keeping that majesty uh, undercover so as not to interfere with his love for all the inhabitants of Rindavan. So worship Krishna here. And worship Krishna also as Giridhara, the one who lifts the hill. This hill, Giri, we're going to hear about in the upcoming verses. In verse 11, Raghunath Das is particularly going to speak about this hill, just as he is particularly in verse 10 going to speak about Radha. So about this, this hill, Govardhana, he's going to speak more later. But uh, it's interesting that he's combining these two names here, Gandharva and Giridhara. The great Slabhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He liked these two names of Radha and Krishna especially much. Uh, the first temple that he founded at uh, 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 Rajapattana in, in Mayapur, the, at the, the place where Chandrasekharacharya had his, his house, uh, that temple or that ashram he called Chaitanya Mat. And of course, you, should, you can visit this place in, in Mayapur still today. It's called the uh, Akara Mataraja, 
in, in when we're doing Jai Advani, we often say this. Akaramataraj Sri Chaitanya Matki Jai. The undivided king of all Mathas, Chaitanya Mat. I offer you my, my respects. Long live this place, Jai. Uh, so in this place, Chaitanya Mat, the Srimurtis installed there are Gandharvika and Giridhari. Guru Gauranga, Gandharvika, Giridhari. Guru Gauranga means uh, the Guru Parampara, and Gauranga, Sri Chaitanya, and then uh, Gandharva and Giridhari. Uh, if you haven't visited this place, at least do so uh, online. You'll find uh, pictures of the Srimurtis. They're very sweet. They're a little bit different in style than the ones that, that are installed nowadays. They look a little bit different. I think they were installed about 1915 uh, or something like that. So they've been there for a while. And he liked this particular uh, combination of names, especially much, Gandharvika and Giridhari. There are other Gandharvika Giridhari, uh, Srimurtis, of course, in, in the world. In, in, in Sweden, at Korsnes Gord, you'll find Gandharvika and Giridhari. Bhaktisiddhanta liked particularly this uh, combination because it has uh, both the kind of majesty of Gandharvika, this divine maiden, and then Giridhari, the lifter of the hill, which is always also kind of majestic. Not anybody can take like Krishna takes. In the Bhagavatam, it is said that he lifted Govardhan like a child lifts a mushroom. You can imagine a child lifting up a mushroom. Like, so he lifted a whole hill like that with his left hand, not even with his right hand, and with one single finger. Thumb, strongest perhaps, this finger, this? No, with the pinky. With the left pinky, he lifted the hill. So very majestic. And at the same time, also very intimate. Because why does he do that? To protect his friends. Why doesn't he just send uh, a thought to Indra that uh, stop this nonsense? Why doesn't he just click his fingers like that and make an end to all of Indra's mischief. No, because he wants to do it in a sweet way. He wants to lift up the hill and stay there under the hill. For how long? Maharha, how long? Yes, that's nice showing. Seven days. Seven days he's standing there. Why does he take such a long time? Why doesn't he just shout to Indra, stop it? Why does he let Indra go on with all this uh, thunder and everything for seven days? Doesn't he get hungry and thirsty and tired standing there holding the hill? Because he wants to give a chance to the gopis to see him. Usually they just get a glimpse of him when he comes into the village in the evening or when he leaves in the morning. And they have to kind of steal a glimpse of him from their household chores. Uh, they, of course, during the later on, they will meet. Uh, they will meet him in the forest in the night also. But now he's so letting them see him all the time for seven days and nights. 
standing there, but he can just bathe in his beauty. So this story of Krishna lifting the Govardhan hill, there's so many more things that could be said about that, of course. It's a wonderful mix of Krishna's Aishwarya or, or lordliness, majesty, and his Madhurya or sweetness, his human-like nature. Anantadas Babaji, in his commentary to the Manashiksha, he also writes that uh, when uh, Raghunath Das uses this word, uh, Giridhara, it makes him think of the way in which he worships Krishna. Because he says, Bhajamana, O mind, worship Giridhara here in Vrindavan. He worshipped Krishna in Vrindavan through a stone. There's a wonderful book by David Haberman. Uh, he's a, a scholar. He's also a Vaishnava of the Pushti Marga Sampradaya. Uh, it's called Loving Stones, Making the Impossible Possible in the Worship of Mount Govardhan. So it's a new book that's come out. It's uh, a scholarly book about the, the worship of, of Govardhan and how devotees in Vrindavan and elsewhere worship Krishna in the form of these stones from, from the, the Govardhan hill, that hill that Krishna lifted up. Uh, usually with the understanding that Krishna is this hill, because in the story, of course, he also takes the form of the hill later on then, actually before, before this lifting, when they, they worship the hill. And uh, Raghunath Das, of course, had been given a stone from Govardhan Hill. He was living just next to Govardhan Hill by Radhakund. But this stone that he had and that he worshipped as a Svarup or form of Krishna, he had been given by Mahaprabhu himself. Mahaprabhu had been given uh, a small stone from Govardhan by uh, uh, devotees that had, had visited Vrindavan. They brought back to him uh, a stone from Govardhan and also uh, a garland made from gunja berries, these kind of white, red, and black uh, berries that grow wild in the Vrindavan area. And when you dry them, you can make string them into the small garlands. Uh, he had been given this gift. And afterwards, he gave these things to, to Raghunath Das. And he said, worship Krishna uh, in this form, in this stone form. This is a very strange idea, of course, for, for people who, who have grown up uh, outside of the, 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 the Indian understanding of, of divinity. That how can you worship a stone? It sounds like some kind of animism or some kind of really primitive religion, like worshiping a tree or worshiping a stone. But uh, there's something deep within it. There's something very deep within it. Krishna can take the form even of a stone. So Raghunath Das, he was worshipping this, this stone that Mahaprabhu had been, been keeping. Mahaprabhu himself didn't really worship Krishna through this stone, but he had kept it and he, he would touch it to his head and sometimes he would wet it with his tears. So it had been very much in, in uh, intimate connection with Mahaprabhu. 
And this stone, of course, is still there in Vrindavan. It's kept at the Radha Gokulananda temple, and, and you can see it there. It's a small, small stone, about this, this big, a square stone with a thumb mark in the middle, which is said to be the, the imprint of Mahaprabhu's thumb. Uh, so he was worshipping this, this stone as Krishna. Mahaprabhu gave him uh, instructions for how to worship this stone. You can read these instructions in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Very simple instructions that uh, offer uh, water, tulsi manjaris or, or tulsi flowers uh, and sweets to this shila every day. And following this example, many Gaudiya Vaishnavas, they worship uh, uh, Govardhan Shilas uh, to this day. But Anantadas Babaji, in his commentary, he kind of expands this idea to all kinds of image worship in general, or Murti Seva. Again, we read uh, Rupa Goswami, we see that this is one of the things that he emphasizes the most in, in uh, bhakti, in sadhana bhakti, bhakti in practice. It's one of the five uh, most important aspects, or five most important practices, worshipping the image of Krishna. Because even if a very advanced devotee can see Krishna everywhere, for most of us, that's too difficult. We need to kind of focus our attention in one place. And there are many, many stories. Uh, again, this Bhaktivigyana Goswami, who I mentioned before in his commentary, uh, he follows Anantadas Babaji very closely in his commentary uh, without mentioning him a single time, which I didn't think was that nice. But he follows him, but then he kind of expands and gives many uh, good examples. And he tells some 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 stories of of Sri Murtis in his commentary and and uh, some of them you've probably heard before but they're very good stories because they they are fun but they also illustrate uh, the way in which when a bhakta worships Krishna through an image that image will no longer be just a stone or a statue but Krishna will take the form of that image and reciprocate the bhakta's love through the image. Some of these stories are, are told in our uh, canonical scriptures, like in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. There we, we hear the story of, of Shakshi Gopal, or the witness Gopal. Uh, uh, an image of Gopal, or, or Cowherd Krishna in Vrindavan, who was the witness of the promise of an elderly Brahman to a, a, a younger Brahmin. This, we don't need to hear the, tell the whole story, but, but the elderly Brahman uh, promised something to the younger Brahman in front of the, the, the deity. Uh, they were visiting Vrindavan on pilgrimage and uh, uh, they left. And then at home, because of the pressure of his, his uh, relatives, the elderly Brahman then uh, took back his promise. And when the younger Brahmin wanted to, to, to convince him to keep his promise, everybody else said that, who, who believes this, that he's promised anything like that? There's no witnesses for anything like that. 
Well, but uh, Gopal was there to witness it. <laughs> Come on. Who will believe that? So this young Brahmin, he was so simple and so kind of pure-hearted. So he thought, nobody else is going to believe me. I'll go back to Vrindavan and ask Krishna to come. So he went back to Vrindavan and he said to, to, to Gopal that uh, uh, you need to come with me to, to South India, to, to Andhra Pradesh, where I live, because this older Brahman who promised in front of you, he doesn't want to stick to his words. And he was so, so genuine in his prayers. So Gopal answered to him and he said, well, that, that's really too bad that he's not keeping his promise, but what, I, what can I do? I'm an image, I'm a, made of stone, I can't walk. And his young Brahmin said, if you're an image out of stone, how can you talk then? If you can talk, then you can walk also. So, so Gopal said, okay, so I'll, I'll come with you, but, uh, but you'll have to promise that you'll never look back. I'll just follow you and you'll hear the tinkling of my ankle bells. And, uh, uh, but don't look back. You'll have to, to stop once a day to cook rice for me. And, uh, uh, but I'll just follow you. So he followed him all the way down to Andhra Pradesh. Uh, and just before they reached the village, uh, this younger Brahmin's uh, curiosity became too big, so he looked back, and then Krishna remained in that place. But it was just near to the village, so everybody could come there, and then they realized that he had spoken the truth all the time, and, and there was a happy ending. Uh, so the image can do amazing things like this. And there's actually a continuation of this story of, of Sakshi Gopal that's not told in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, because this is something that happened after the events of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, the king of, of, of Puri had heard about uh, this witness Gopal, Shakshi Gopal, uh, and wanted this, this uh, deity of Krishna to his own kingdom. So he asked the king of Andhra Pradesh that uh, uh, please give me Shakshi Gopal. I want to build a really beautiful temple for him in my capital, Katak. And uh, I'm going to take really good care of him and worship him super nicely. And the king of Andhra Pradesh said, no, I'm not going to give you, give you that this is our Lord. So they went to war. They went to war. And, and the king of, of uh, Orissa uh, um, uh, attacked and conquered and said that now you need to give me Gopal. And the defeated king said, well, how can I give you God? If he wants to go with you, then he will go, but I can't do anything about it. So Sakshi Gopal said, well, okay, I'll come with you, but on one uh, condition. And that is that uh, uh, you, the king of Orissa, I will follow you on foot because I like walking. So I'll follow you on foot, but you'll have to go in front and you'll have to beg in every village that we pass. You'll have to beg for rice. You'll have to pretend that you're an ordinary beggar and then cook that rice for me. So that's how he followed uh, the king of Arissa to Katak. And there in Katak, the king of Arissa, putting on his royal clothes again, he made a, a nice temple for him. And his queen uh, came to see this 
wonderful moving image. And she wanted to give a gift to the image. She had a beautiful pearl in her nose. So he wanted to give that. It's kind of an unusual gift. We usually don't give things that we've used ourselves, but queens perhaps have the prerogative of doing things that ordinary people don't. So she wanted to give this, but the pujari, the, the, the person worshiping uh, Shakshi Gopal said that that's a, a really nice gift, Maharani. It's very much, thank you. But uh, Gopal doesn't have a, a, a hole in his nose. There's no way we can, we can use it. So the queen was disappointed, but she couldn't do anything about it. She went home and in the night she had a dream where Gopal came to her and said, my Pujari doesn't know anything. Uh, he doesn't know that Yashoda made a hole in my nose when I was small. So that is a hole, just go back and look. So she went back the next day and told the Pujari about the dream and he looked again and oh, there is a hole. So she was able to offer the, the, the nose pearl to Gopal. So Gopal, he saw her love, just like he had seen the love of the king, and he reciprocated in the same way. There's another nice story uh, about Madan Mohan, one of the three main images of Vrindavan that Krishna does, offers his respect to in the, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, beginning, middle, and end. Madan Mohan, the image that... Uh, uh, Advaita Acharya first found and then Sanatana Goswami worshipped on Dvadashaditila hill in Vrindavan. Like many other images, uh, this image was uh, uh, moved from Vrindavan during the time of Aurangzeb and the time of, of unrest in this part of Vrindavan uh, because of fear of the, the uh, uh, Muslims, this image was moved away from Vrindavan uh, secretly taking a, a kind of roundabout way, first to Radhakund and Kamyavan and other places, and then finally uh, ending up in Jaipur, in the kingdom of, of Jai Singh. So Madan Mohan, just like uh, uh, many other of the famous Sri Murtis of Vrindavan, ended up in Jaipur. But Madan Mohan is not in Jaipur anymore, but in another place, a little bit more to the east, a little bit closer to Vrindavan, uh, a small place called Karoli. And uh, Madan Mohan ended up in Karoli because uh, a princess of Jaipur was going to marry uh, a prince in Karoli, the, the crown prince of Karoli, small city, small, small kingdom. And she said that, how can I move to, to Karoli I'm in love with Madan Mohan here in Jaipur. I'm never going to marry him. And it had all been arranged. The parents had arranged everything. And now there was this uh, upset in the plans. So they decided that, okay, so you can take Madan Mohan with you to, to Karoli. So Madan Mohan is still there in Karoli. And, and if you get the chance to, to visit Karoli, you should. I had a I visited Karoli twice, and last time was just a few years back. Uh, some some friends of mine, uh, together with them, we we went from from Brindavan, started uh, uh, after midnight, and arrived in Karoli 
by car just before Mangalarti, Mangalarti, the first morning ceremony. And it was a wonderful experience because we, we got there at like, like four o'clock or 3.30 and we entered the te temple as soon as it was op opened. And the temple is huge. It's uh, this kind of Rajasthani style uh, Haveli type temple, uh, which looks like a, a king's or a rich person's house. So it's like a palace. And when we got into the temple, there was just a few people there. Like the person who opened and then the, maybe uh, uh, some elderly people who were waiting there for the temple to open. Then we got in, me and my friend, and we waited for Mangalarti to begin at perhaps 4.30 or 5. And gradually people started pouring in. Gradually people came in and more and more. And at the end, before just before starting, the whole village was there, the whole village of Karoli. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it seemed like that. It was packed with people. And, and uh, then they did the Mangalarti, the ringing of the bell, cling, 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 and the Arati, and the song, and everybody was singing in one voice. It was a wonderful experience. So there in Karoli, Madan Mohan uh, has been staying. And uh, in this story, uh, which is, is a, a true event from, I think, the 18th century. There was a, a Muslim man in Karoli, because Karoli is in, in North India, so there, there are Muslim communities uh, in all the, all the cities, minorities or majorities in some cases. So this man, he was a devout Muslim. And of course, for a Muslim, worshipping an image of the Lord, that's parast. That's you don't do that. That's haram. That's completely forbidden. Even to think that God is a person or that God has a son or something like that, that's completely wrong and forbidden. So he was living in the city of, of Madan Mohan, but he always made a point that to never kind of get involved in any of this paganry. So whenever he had to pass uh, by the temple, he made sure to look down to not, not see any of the terrible things going on in there. But of course, you can guess what happened. Once he was walking past and uh, maybe he heard a sound or something. So by mistake, he looked into the temple and he saw Madan Mohan. Madan Mohan is the name of Krishna, which means the one that bewilders Madana, that bewilders the God of love. So the God of love, of course, bewilders all of us, metaphorically by shooting his arrows, his flower-tipped arrows of the different senses. We see something, we fall in love. Or we, we hear something, we smell something. But the one that bewilders the God of love, that's Krishna. So this Muslim man, he saw Madan Mohan and he was completely blown away. He couldn't think of anything else. He couldn't hear anything else. And he was so worried because, of course, he had been always brought up to believe that this is idolatry and this is haram and this is wrong and you're going to, going to hell for this. But he couldn't stop thinking of Madan Mohan. And it became so bad so he couldn't eat or sleep and he was wasting away. So... Uh, 
one night when again he couldn't sleep and he couldn't eat or anything, a boy came to him, a very beautiful dark boy, came to him with a silver tray with cups, beautiful silver cups filled with amazing food. And he said that, that uh, uh, Baba, oh father, uh, you've been fasting and, and being unwell for such a long time. Have this food and uh, have some rest. Um, but uh, where are you coming from? I'm coming from that uh, Hindu temple, but you should have this food. Well, he was really hungry and he liked this boy. There was something very charming and innocent about this boy. So he said, okay. So he took the, 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 the tray and he, he uh, ate all the food and he felt really good and he fell asleep. Meanwhile, in the temple, the head priest, the head pujari noticed that uh, the tray with Mahaprasadam the tray with food that had been offered to Madame Mohan was missing. Somebody had stolen the tray, an expensive silver tray. So he was really worried that the, the king is going to kill me if he finds out that this has happened. Uh, who knows what's going to happen, that I'm in big trouble now. So he, he was wondering what had been, who, who could have done it. And he's trying to find out, but there's no leads at all. It seemed like this tray had disappeared in, in, into the air. So in the morning, the Muslim man, he woke up and he realized that I still have that tray and it looks really expensive and, and it looks almost like it's made of silver. So, so he took it and he uh, thought that I should bring it back to the temple. So the Pujari, he had gone to sleep after being worried about this theft. And in the dream, he had had, had a dream again of Madan Mohan, who had told him that, don't worry about the tray. I brought it to my bhakta, this Muslim man. Uh, he's going to bring it back in the morning. Don't worry, everything is fine. So he ran to the king, who had heard already about the theft, and told him that, uh, I just had an amazing dream. Let's see what happens. So the king, the head priest, and uh, some of the servants, they all stood there at the gate in the morning. So the Muslim man, he came there with the tray, and he saw them all standing there, and he thought, oh, no. I'm in big trouble. Somebody has stolen that plate and given it to me, and now I'm going to get all the blame for this. So he thought, my life is over. But anyway, I'll, I'll have to give back this tray. And so he came with the tray and he said that I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. One, one boy brought it to me and I didn't know. And, uh, uh, and they said, come with us. We know where that boy is. Um, well, it was some servant boy. Well, he's not really a servant. He's up there on the altar. So he came there in front of Madan Mohan and he recognized, wow, it was Madan Mohan himself who brought me this, this tray. And before that, uh, even though he had, had uh, loved Madan Mohan, he hadn't been uh, allowed to enter the temple because the Hindus thought he's a Muslim. He can't go in, come into the temple. 
Uh, after this, of course, uh, he was welcome in the temple. So there are many stories like this of, of the amazing thing that uh, Krishna can do for his bhakta. Not only in ancient times, there are plenty of stories like this in, in our days as well. Uh, sometimes we can think it's imagination, but it's very good imagination in those cases, if, if in, even if it's just imagination, because it's the imagination of a bhakta that brings him closer to Krishna. And there are plenty of stories also that have been witnessed by others. So Krishna, he can take the form even of a, of a stone, of a statue, of a picture, to reciprocate the love of his bhakta. So these are some of the things I want to, to speak about today, and I've already gone over time. I'm sorry for that. Uh, again, you can... Uh, 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 um, if you want to, you can save your questions for the the, the Tatva Viveka Facebook page, but uh, you can also put questions here if you prefer that. So any um, Yeah, I just wanted to um, mention that I I heard a little more detail on that story of the. Um, of the, the lady who um, wanted to marry Madame Mohan, and she told her parents that she would only marry him if he built a big temple for Madame Mohan. And so the prince set out to build this wonderful temple, and it was a very beautiful temple. And when she was um, doing the wedding vows, she... Um, they were asking her, are you going to be faithful to him the rest of your life? And she was looking at Madame Mohan the whole time of her wedding vows. And she says, yes, I will be faithful to him. <laughs> so it's a cute story. Am I speaking too loud? Do I speak too loud? Okay. Thank you. Thank you for adding and I also appreciated how you mentioned Prabhupada says Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, I never even thought of that. Yeah, he always does say that. And um, that's very powerful. And I, I, I liked the part about how um, the gopis came, other gopis came, and no one was envious. They were just thinking, oh, this is so wonderful. You want to serve Krishna too. So that's a really nice uh, attitude. It was good Thank class. You. Thank you. These are four things from my Guru Maharaj. Uh, but yes, I really like that, that to, to think about this with the gopis because, of course, this kind of jealousy and this kind of uh, ownership with with love is so so common for for us. Uh, and and to be able to love without this kind of selfishness. That's such a beautiful idea. Anything else? Okay, thank you all very much again. Uh, We'll continue with this series uh, 
next week again on Friday. And uh, uh, in the meantime, of course, there are all the other wonderful Tatva Viveka lectures uh, uh, every day or every evening here in Finland. And uh, on Sunday, of course, uh, Guru Maharaja's uh, questions and answer sessions. So I hope to see you all on these different wonderful programs. Jaya Mishin Parparanga Sabarvaraja Kacharya Astuttarasta Shishimad Bhaktivedanta Tribaraja Degoswam Rajala Guru Dev Ki Jai Jai Nitala Pravishta Mishin Parvara Bhai Charanara Vinda Bhaktivedanta Swam Rajala Prabhupada Guru Ki Jai Jai Nitala Pravishta Mishin Parvara Bhakti Rakshakshita Degoswam Rajala Ki Jai Jai Nitala Pravishta Mishin Parvara Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Goswam Rajala Prabhupada Guru Ki Jai Jai Gorkishrodas Badri Maharaj Ki Jai Jai Shachidananda Moitakur Bhaktivinod ki jai, jai Vaishnava Sarvavamashla Jagannathas Babaji Maharaj ki jai, jai Gauri Abhidanta Acharya Shlabarali Bidibhushan Prabhu ki jai, jai Vishnu Chakrarpitakur ki jai, jai Shinivasa Mananda Narottam Prabhutrai ki jai, jai Krishna Askavraj Goswamaraj ki jai, jai Vyasavata Shivrindavandastakur Mahasai ki jai, jai Shrupa Sanatana Bhattaraganata Shri Jeeva Gopalabhattadasraganachot Goswam Prabhu ki jai, Jai Namachar Shlaharadas Thakur Ki Jai Jai Swarup Damadar Rai Ramanandari Gaur Parshavrinda Ki Jai Jai Prem Sakosha Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gradara Shivasar Shigaur Bhaktarinda Ki Jai Jai Shiantadvip Mayapur Simantadvip Madhyadvip Ritudip Chandudip Madhyadvip Modrandundadvip Godramadvip Rudradipatmakashi Navadvip Dham Ki Jai Jai Shishi Radha Krishna Gupa Gupigo Guvardana Dvadashavarantmakashi Vrindavandam Ki Jai Dvadashopavan Ki Jai Jai Radha Kunda Shamakunda Ganga Yamuna Tulsi Bhaktadevi Ki Jai Jai Purushottam Dam Ki Jai Jai Jagannath Baladev Subhadra Sudarshana Ki Jai Jai Bhaktivigna Vinashna Karshin Shingadev Bhagavan Ki Jai Jai Bhaktabrabara Pralad Maharaj Ki Jai Jai Char Vaishnava Sampraday Ki Jai Char Vaishnava Chariki Jai Chardam Ki Jai Charvita Ki Jai Grantaraj Madhbagatam Ki Jai Raghunatha Shir Manashikshiki Jai Akaramataraj Shi Chaitan Matki Jai Tadiya Shakamatasumo Ki Jai Sri Chaitanya Sangha Ki Jai Ananda Kodivaishnava Vrinda Ki Jai Bhuvan Mangal Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Samagata Gaur Bhaktarinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Gaur Manja Kalpatrubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Bhavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Hari Gaur Hari Gopal Prabhu Ki Jai